We're on batting, baby. Batting. We're on batting. Hey guys, welcome back to another episode of Unbatting. I'm Dana Pereira. And I'm Jessica Presley. Jess, weekly check-in. How's it going? How you feeling? How you doing? Well, you know, I don't know if that's supposed to mean shit's supposed to be good or hard. But I've had a little bit of both this week, as I do every week, every day, every hour. Mm. And um, this week, I would say, so far, so good. It's Monday, so like, bonus. Yeah, that, I mean, so far, so good is definitely better than fuck this shit. (laughs) Take me now. I'm fucking over it. (laughs) (laughs) Been there. I mean, but that was last week. But I guess it's been a week since I've seen you, since we've done this. So weekly check-in, hanging in there. Mm. Um, We have a new family member, which has brought lots of love and joy to our home. We got a little munchkin pup. The cutest little munchkin pup. Tell me about your pup and how the hell did that even come about? Well, here goes. This little pup is a little seven-weeker. So cute, so tiny, so mini, so sweet. And um, it all started very innocent. My daughters and I were out and about. And we had a couple hours to kill. I said, what do you want to do? My oldest wanted to go look at pets and then go to the park. Sounds innocent, right? Mm-hmm. Except for in your genius mother takes you to the animal shelter oh, to boy. look at pets. So part of me thought, what is usually at animal shelters when you go to look at dogs? Like pit bulls. Lots of pit bulls, right? Yeah. And I'm like, my kids don't like really big dogs really I mean they love all dogs but they know that they're not bringing home a big dog maybe it's me I think I'm talking for me (laughs) it's not them it's me they take home any dog um and so when we went in we're going through all of the halls back and forth checking them out and it's all of the big dogs all of the pit bulls it's stinky it's loud it's a lot of overwhelming sensations for the kids they're kind of ready to go and I'm like yes my plan is working yeah and then we find one last hall that we go to and my oldest doesn't want to go in so she stays outside and Jordan beelines it all the way down and at the very last one there's like a kennel that has six little teenies in it no I know that is kryptonite it was you took the words out of my mouth it was (laughs) kryptonite and I was like Oh, my gosh. And I was just as sappy as they were. Ah. So I tried to do the no thing. I really did. I was like, no, we have dogs. looks like you tried really hard. (laughs) I did. I actually really did try hard. I made them go talk to the people. I was like, well, you got to find out all the questions, right? So Shay goes up. She's like, "Um, how old is the dog? Is it ready to go home now? Are they still available? Um. Does it need shots and how much is it? You set yourself on fire is what you just did because you gave them these responsibilities (laughs) and they had the intention in their head that if I fulfill these responsibilities, then I get to go home with a dog. True. Yeah. True. But the dog that we wanted was not available and I was really thought that I scored. And then the second dog that we looked at was also unavailable. And lucky us, they were unavailable because we went back to the kennel. Now, all these puppies were just all on top of each other. And finally, this one had presented herself and she was just all the things. She was like the little white paws, the little 
white chest, mm-hmm. all the cuteness, puppiness there. And I caved and I said, okay. And I immediately regretted it. What? Yeah. Why? I had an instant migraine. I was like rubbing my temples in the house. I'm like, girls, I made a huge mistake. I don't think this is the right choice. This is a lot of responsibility. I don't think that we should do this. And Shay grabbed my face in her hands and she said, mom, I know you're stressed and I know it's a lot of responsibility, but think of how much love it is. Oh no. Oh no. Now she set you on fire. (laughs) And I thought this is my lesson in perspective. I can take this and be like really sad about it and be like, this is too much work, all the things. This is our third dog, by the way. And um, and I was like, or I can look at it for all the love. And I fully embraced it. And it was like a total switch. And it's just been puppy gaga goo goo ever since. Oh, my God. Puppy bliss. So I'm going to use this on my husband and say like, think of all the love. Do you because- think it'll work? No. <laughs> No. No. Well, unlucky for me, my dog, my dog, my husband is the opposite of your husband and he is totally encouraging this behavior. I call him for backup and he said to me, you know what he said to me? Babe, the universe brought her to you for a reason. Oh, that fucker. (laughs) Verbatim those words. The universe brought her to you for a reason. Sometimes that reason is a lesson. Okay. (laughs) perspective (laughs) oh man man what a week for you I know I know it was a good week yeah so the puppy bliss is still rolling you're still in the honeymoon phase with your puppy loving every minute of it really yes she's so wonderful how's the potty like the pissing on the floor hasn't gotten she actually hasn't pissed on the floor shut up no we take her outside as soon as her feet hit the grass she puts her little butt down and goes to the bathroom she did shit on the floor twice okay (laughs) Two times in a week? Yeah. Oh, no. Whatever will you do? I know. Boo. <laughs> um, but I think the older dogs are kind of showing her the way. Yeah. That's, so she does pretty good. That is awesome. No complaints. I have two dogs in diapers. I didn't want to talk about the potty training <laughs> for that reason specifically. I didn't want to rub it in. Um, but, you know, it's... You know, it's it is what it is. They wear diapers and and potty training's not a thing at your house. <laughs> it, it works for us. You know, I have two dogs in diapers. I have two dogs not in diapers. So it's, it's a 50 50 split. You're doing you're doing pretty average. <laughs> if I was on a grading scale, that's a solid F. <laughs> accurate yeah (laughs) luckily we're not doing that anymore thank god Mm -hmm. um so i think i told you that i was in new orleans last week and uh i i don't know well i know that you know this but not everybody else knows this after i had my last baby he's almost six years old i got down to 105 pounds and i was pretty like pleased with myself Mm. like look at me I am doing all the things I'm not eating anything that I like I'm not drinking any of the alcohol that I like I hate my life but I'm skinny Mm, right skinny (sighs) that ever so coveted feeling skinny which brings us to our topic tonight that's all about we'll call it diet culture because essentially I feel like that's what it is and even though it is not a new thing this has been going on for 
as long as I can remember and before that. Definitely before that. And so unbatting diet culture, unbatting my views around weight, food, exercise, Uh and really trying to understand what part of this is um, my conditioning Mm -hmm. and what part of this are the ones, the pieces that I strategically want to pull out and put into my lifestyle. Well, there's a huge difference, I think, between being healthy and making good choices or mostly good choices and then the extreme Kardashian, I need a 24-inch waist with 36-inch hips and a 36-inch bust and like this figure that people consider sexy essentially um, and what people do to get that. Right, right. And also let's dive into that part a little bit, right? Like what is sexy? Who defines what is sexy? And so when I think about diet culture also like racism comes up for me. Yeah. Because so much of like the Western ideal or the Eurocentric beauty standards also play into this, these thin athletic white bodies. Yeah. And that is a percentage of our people, of our world. How is it that that is the one standard that we covet so much? And if you even go back and look at Marilyn Monroe, and I feel so, so, so awful for Marilyn Monroe because that woman was put through the fucking ringer. Her life was sad, and yes, she is an icon, and she was a sex symbol for so, so, even to this day, she still is like this, like, symbol of sexuality, but she was not a happy person. No, when your body is put on display and everything that you do is um, judged from the exterior and not from who you are within, it's problematic. I don't know anybody that um, can feel truly connected to themselves whenever everybody is judging them for their exterior. And that is the world that we live in today. That is the diet culture that we live in today. And it's unfortunate because I had an instance recently where – People were like, oh my gosh, you're so curvy. Like, when did you get so curvy? And they were using curvy in this way that it was a negative. Mm. And I was like, okay, well, mm, I'm not 21 anymore. And um, I like to, you know, have bread every now. I'm like fucking Oprah, like bread. (laughs) Yes. I get bread. You get bread. You get, you know, like I love bread. I love bread. Um, But it made me feel shitty. Mm -hmm. And then I thought like, since when's it being called curvy mean that you were unhealthy or obese or you know and like there was a negative connotation on the word curvy for me right well and it's really hard too to think that for somebody um who doesn't know you you said after your fourth child you were down to 105 pounds Mm -hmm. now growing up as your sister I was always the quote-unquote bigger one like I don't think I ever broke through 115 pounds in high school, right? So you have a small build. You're a small person. And so for anybody to um, put a title on you based on your body shape, it's like really – it's just so disgusting to me. 
at this point in our lives. I feel like we are better than that. We know better than that. Weight isn't something that we talk about um, in this way, not in a way of, oh, you lost weight, you look good. Oh, you gained weight, you look good. Our bodies lose and gain weight. It's part of who we are. It's part of our natural cycles. Um, We don't need to talk about that. It's a non-issue, really. It's bizarre to me because in my brain, I thought that I had to maintain a certain figure statute like throughout life. But my body gave birth to four children. I... Like my uterus even has expanded a hundred times what it should be. And I have a pooch in my belly now, but somehow I'm competing with 20-year-olds that, you know, haven't had any babies or I'm somehow expected to maintain this body type throughout my entire life. What about our hormones? We go through puberty. We go through having children. We go through menopause. There's all of these life changes. And somehow if we fluctuate in weight whatsoever, people have a judgment about it. They want to call you unhealthy. Oh, well, what are you doing now? Like, "Mm, you've gained 20 pounds. What are you doing? You must not be being healthy. Right. And I think that um, actually what I – have come to learn Um, when we were talking about this being a topic that we wanted to discuss. I was kind of online doing some research, just trying to like really understand um, my role in diet culture or how it's played a role in my life. And I realized that I really hide behind this um, screen of health, right? Mm -hmm. I think that when we decided we were going to talk about this topic, I felt like, well, I mean, I don't really have like a diet culture attitude. I'm not on keto. I'm not this. I'm not that. Um, But I really do emphasize health. And I really do emphasize like making sure that we're giving our bodies the things that we need. Mm -hmm. And that is important to an extent. It is important. But um, having thoughts like, oh, I shouldn't have this bread or having thoughts like um, I need to eat for my kids, for example, I need you need to eat your vegetables before you eat your dessert Mm -hmm. or you need to have this before you have that. That is all perpetuating poor diet culture. Yeah. Yeah, I agree with that. And there I mean, Sometimes I'm depressed and I want to emotionally eat French fries. Mm -hmm. Like I – French fries make me feel good and we are in a culture. There's this guy that I follow on Instagram um, and I love him. I'm actually friends with him but he's a very disciplined man where he doesn't think that you should drink alcohol and you should be doing – you should be lifting weights five days a week and you should be not making excuses for not working out and you should be – but I'm like mental health – for me, is more important than how big my muscles are. And sometimes mental health for me, and it might not be the same for him. For him, mental health is very tied to his exercise routine, or so he says. I don't know what the actual outcome of all that is. For me, sometimes I need a, a, a emotional support french fry. <laughs> emotional support burrito emotional support glass of wine you know like 
Yeah, all of the things. And and there is an element of food that is comforting. And I think that that's okay. I think the problem with that is the shame that goes along with it. Yeah. You know what I mean? Like, it's not about eating a burrito. It's not about eating a French fry. It's the fact that we are so conditioned to think that we have to think about it in some exceptional way or that I deserve it because I'm having a bad day. Mm. That is so dense with diet culture. I have to earn this reward. I need to put have the right amount of output before I can have the right amount of input. That is all perpetuating diet culture. And I am so in the thick of that. Mm-hmm. Like, it, you know, ever since I've been called curvy, I've been like fucking thinking about it nonstop. It has affected everything that I've done in the last few weeks. What I'm putting into my body, how much I'm exercising. Like, oh, I shouldn't have this really, really delicious Reese's peanut butter cup because, mm-hmm. um, you know, I'm afraid of like, did I did I do enough exercise today to earn that Reese's peanut butter cup? Right. It's it's fucked, man. Yeah, it's not good. It's really not good. But, you know, if you really strip it down and you look at um, our culture and how we've been conditioned, right? Um, we've conditioned ourselves to believe that fat equals bad and thin equals good, right? Yes. Insert fat phobia here. Mm-hmm. Um, and a lot of the conversation, I think, could be shifted to fat and thin as like one just words to describe something um sometimes i use the word fat to describe hair whenever i'm at work you want the ends to look really fat right you want it to be thick at the Mm -hmm. bottom um nobody likes some wispy nasty ends thick at the bottom (laughs) (laughs) that's right um and so if we could my hope is that at some point i could shift into a space where like fat and thin wasn't good or bad it just is red or black. It can be one. It's not It's not a thing. It's just a way to describe something. But our culture has us so conditioned to believe that fat is a terrible thing. Um, it was actually not funny, haha, but ironic um, that we're recording this episode today because I had a situation with my daughters this afternoon. Oh. And I haven't even told you about it yet because <gasps> I wanted to save it for this. It. So Good girl. Um, so Shay and Jordan were outside trying to play on the trampoline. I say trying to play because it's, it takes an immense amount of effort at times <laughs> to actually play together without arguing. Um, and sisters, right? Yeah. They just know where to go to How press to the buttons. push those buttons. Right. And Jordan didn't know that I was standing inside the playroom and I had direct eyesight to the trampoline. And um, Jordan was trying to be mean to Shay. Yeah. And my younger one, Jordan, is like, you know, bones and skin. Mm-hmm. Shay is, they're both very tall. Jordan's just very, very thin. And Shay is just has a thicker, stronger build. Mm-hmm. She has bigger muscles. She has bigger bones. She's very strong. She's very tall. Um, but they're completely different body styles. Yeah. Completely. And Jordan walks outside and she says, Shay, why are you so fat? <sighs> My five-year-old is already affected. Yeah. And Shay goes, you're so mean. 
And like, then they just went on and started playing. This is the first time I've heard it, but the way that Shay reacted and the way that Jordan said it with such ease makes me wonder how long has this been a topic of conversation between the two of them? And I immediately had to jump in there and say, wow, that feels like something that you were saying to try and be mean to your sister and hurt her feelings. Bodies come in all shapes and sizes. Your body is different than Shay's body. Just like your hair is different than Shay's hair. Just like your voice is different than Shay's voice. You and Shay are both healthy kids. You eat healthy food. You move your bodies. Healthy looks different on everybody. So even with boys that happened, there was a time period where I, so I have Mason and Kai, they're 17 and 16. Kai, he got a little thick there for a little while. And um, Mason would say things to him to like poke fun at him. Um, Even, I don't want to call out anybody in particular, but there was an adult in his life that would call him Gus Gus. Like from Cinderella, he'd be like, "Oh, into a Gus Gus," you know, with his oh, little, the little mouse cheese. with the cheese. Yeah, he's like stacking them all up. Oh, he's so cute though, he's little Gus so Gus. Cute. And the thing is, Kai. It was meant to be mean, though. It, it was meant yeah. to be mean, and it upset me because I was like, "The kid's not unhealthy. He eats healthy. He just is." It was right before puberty. He was like fucking packing it on so that he could shoot up. <laughs> and there's biological reason for that. Um, But then again, like, I wonder, even in having this conversation, like, how much of me defending him is my conditioning? I was just thinking the same thing. I'm like, here I am making excuses for him, saying, like, this is the reason. He he was already healthy. He was eating all the healthy foods. It is such a programmed thing Mm -hmm. in us Mm -hmm. to do that we don't even recognize we're doing it. I mean, lucky for us, we we have the – uh, ability to stop for a second and be like, "Oh shit, look at us! We're that's because we unbatting, <laughs> we unbatting in this. Okay, bitch. that's what we do it. But even when Kai shot up, got very tall and thinned out, and all of that, his brother would still say to him like something about being fat or and I'm like doesn't even make sense anymore what the hell are you talking about right and boys also get it on another level right like if boys are too skinny then that's an issue mm-hmm. like the boys want to put on weight and get big muscles oh, and, yeah and so that's a part of their get conditioning gains. that's right that's a part of their conditioning too they don't go unscathed and i feel like sometimes um young men get the like look over and we forget to talk about them and we forget to tell them that their bodies are normal to whatever shape or size they come in because we also have told them over and over that they need muscles and they need to be ripped and they need to work out and they need to – all the things, right? All the things. And it starts so, so young. I remember um, – and we can cut this out if you hate it – but <laughs> I remember when we were young, them giving you the name T.T., Mm-hmm. For thunder thighs. Mm-hmm. And we were little girls, like 12. And Oh, no. I had TT since I was probably like two or three. Really? Oh, yeah. I, I was, was TT forever. Yeah, I was TT from a very young age. Interesting. So, but still, like, thunder thighs? Yeah. On a child? Mm-hmm. 
That is rough. That was rough. And there, I mean, again, like maybe around the age of 12 or 13, I had like these, you know, little pudgy days where I was a little roly-poly as most young girls are. And the hard thing is that at that age, we, I, 20 years ago, 30 Mm -hmm. years ago, was already aware of this. And I didn't have Instagram. And I didn't have all of these bodies scrolling in front of my face 24-7. And I already knew that I already learned that I should be self-conscious, right? And I should be self-conscious of my waist and my thighs and and all of the things. By 13 years old, I knew that. By 13 years old, I was eating Metabolife and (gasps) M&Ms for lunch. Do you remember Metabolife? I sure do. Or Metabolite. I think there was also that. I don't know if it was like a knockoff brand or like a less cracked out one, but I for (laughs) sure felt like I was like... (laughs) <laughs> Pretty cracked out after I'm like an English class twitching, right? Um, yeah, I, I, at such a young age, I was eating diet pills. And I, I was never a fat kid. I remember also taking diet pills, and I had not even hit 100 pounds yet. Mm-hmm. And there I was fucking tossing whatever that shit was mm-hmm. down my throat. Yeah. Yeah. And so, you know... It's hard for me whenever I look at my two girls being these very different body styles. And I feel like it's definitely part of my unbatting, Mm -hmm. um, dismantling my view of like what a healthy body looks like because my daughter isn't the like very petite, slender, um, young child. Mm -hmm. She is thicker. She is stronger. She is taller she loves food I love to enjoy food with her Mm -hmm. um but I have to dismantle my ideas around it so that I don't pass that on to her so that I can teach her that yeah this is your body embrace your body love your body treat your body well um but don't take all of these things with you and take on all of those um negative ideas about your body or your belly or your um your shape it's so hard and there are also cultures that really embrace bodies of all sizes and something that really sucks about the united states where we are is that you can go to any other country and they do not allow the food that we have here mm-hmm. in the United States. And it's causing a bunch of problems. It causes diseases. It causes cancer. It causes there, – there's just a laundry list of problems that come from um, the the food, the additives, everything that the United States allows in our food. I um, have not fact-checked this, but I did see like a little running list of foods that are allowed in the United States that are outlawed in other countries, and Ritz crackers was one of them. Oh, fuck. Right? Yeah. So like even the things that we think are so innocent and like not the worst, you're like, whatever, it's not a bag of Doritos, have some crackers. Like it's so hard to make healthy choices whenever everything that we are giving our children, everything that we are giving ourselves. It's like you have to be a scientist to be able to understand what it is that you're putting into your body and how it affects it. 
anything that comes from a grocery store shelf is manufactured by somebody else that you do not have control over, essentially. And in other countries, like, and and let's be real, they it affects mental health. A hundred percent. I believe that the mental health in the United States is such an epidemic primarily or a lot due to the food that we're putting in our bodies. And we don't get a choice over it. And mm-hmm. the reason that it's not going away and that we are um, subject to all of this extra shit that you just aren't seeing in other countries that are on the same level as us is because we are so money driven that we don't we're all about the bottom line. We just want to make profit, 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 profit. Nobody gives a shit about the people anymore and what is good for them. Not even realizing that eventually you're fucking shooting yourself in the foot because if you kill off the people that are consuming your brand, you don't have consumers anymore. Right, but when your brand is so addicting and your consumer gives it to their child mm-hmm. and their child gives it to their child, this is one of those things that it will just you're creating long-term customers, generations of customers with yeah. this type of food. And it's difficult because if you tell me I can't eat Oreos anymore, I'm sad. Very sad. And I'm probably going to still eat Oreos. Even like, ugh, I, I hate to say, even if I knew that they were bad for me, but here I am drinking a glass of wine. Now, do That's I a know mug of wine. This, this is a mug of wine. And you have a little drip coming down the side there. I don't oh, want fuck. you to get your chair. Where is it? By your finger. It's like right by your little handle here, right here. Oh, oh just hit oh, your pinky. Got it. Yeah, got on it. your pinky. Now, uh, like that, too. Uh, over here. Like got it. it. Uh, there it is. Okay. <laughs> but you can tell me that alcohol is not great for you. Um, you shouldn't be drinking your mug of wine. Mm-hmm. And I'm going to be like, yeah, 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 I know. I'm going to do the 80-20 rule, okay? So 80% of the time I won't drink wine and then 20% of but the time I will. I don't think that that's a terrible way to go about it. I just think that we have to be mindful of the thoughts that are going into that we're allowing into our consciousness whenever we are having those things, Mm -hmm. right? So it's like, is it healthy to sit and eat, um, you know, a sleeve of Oreos? Not even a sleeve of Oreos because personally I think like if you're going to sit down and have some Oreos, fine. To me, the problematic parts are like the amount of processed food that we eat day in and day out that we allow ourselves to believe is doing our bodies good Mm -hmm. and it is not let's look at all of the things that are overly processed okay so that's like anything that's not like grown from the earth remind me of my italy um grocery store shelves story okay Okay. yes um and so all of these things are in our food day in and day out and so the sleeve of oreos is that problematic yeah sure it's not the best thing for you but you're not sitting down eating oreos for breakfast lunch and dinner you might be sitting you might have um, some toast mm-hmm. or some granola or some, I don't know, oatmeal or something for breakfast that's all genetically modified, <laughs> overly processed. Yeah. And we're telling ourselves we're making good choices, right? Yeah. And we're making good choices because we want, for me, I want to treat my body like a temple. I want to have the best um, 
performance for my body. And I'm not an athlete, but I'm a mom and I'm a wife and I'm a human. And I want my mental health and wellness to be on point. I want my body to be able to get up and down off the ground with my kids so I can go play with them. Um, But it's not easy to do whenever we're, one, not given much education about it. Mm -hmm. Two, it's packaged as something that's healthy. Always. And three, well, I don't know three, but I'm sure I could come up with one. There's probably three million. (laughs) Yeah, there is three million. So I actually just today saw a video on Instagram because our phones are listening to us and they knew that we were going to be talking they about They knew about it. So I get this video and it's this woman who is talking about how in Italy, they do not have, and again, fact checking, I don't know. I've never been to Italy. I do not know whether this is true or it is not. If it is true, it is an interesting point. In Italy, they do not have shelves full of supplements, vitamins, collagen, all of that. That is all right here. It is all right here where we are sold health. We in Italy, you get all of your vegetables and your food from the grocery store, but you are not required to make extra time for health. Walking is a part of your everyday life. Here, it is not. Exercise is something that we have to make extra time for. We are sitting at a desk all day. For a lot of people that work in office buildings, it is something that we have to do as an additive to our life. The same with supplements. We're not getting all of the nutrients that we need from the food that we are getting from our grocery stores. It is an additive that we have to put into our lives. And that additive isn't even necessarily healthy. It's not the healthiest way to go about doing that. And in other countries, it is not the same way. Well, whenever you're eating real food that is grown in real ways Mm -hmm. and you're growing it in real soil that has been um, filled with nutrients, Mm -hmm. right? That isn't just like so... um, overgrown, 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 like we're growing these um, beautiful, huge red bell peppers, but they have no nutrients in them because there was no nutrients in the soil, right? And, and and because we've put so much hormones and everything to make it a hundred times bigger than the biggest radish you've ever seen in your life because right. we think that bigger is better always. Right. And also it's about that fast sale, mm-hmm. right? We got to grow it quick. We got to get it to the grocery stores quick. Um, and so... Everything has less nutritional value. Mm -hmm. So if you're looking at Italy, for instance, um, who isn't selling this health lifestyle, one, I also believe that everything has just become about the dollar, right? It's Mm -hmm. all about that bottom line. And if we can sell you a supplement and a gym membership, score. Yeah. When in reality, if we were walking to places, if we were outside, if we were in nature, if we were off our phones, out from behind the TVs, um, having community, I feel like also not the lack of community within um, the United States culture Agreed. really also keeps us all separate and in our homes and unhealthy. Yeah. Um, and so 
when you go to places like you were saying in Italy and you have this lifestyle where you're eating whole foods and you're moving your body and you're walking from place to place, you don't need to sell a gym membership. You don't need to sell um, extra vitamins because you're getting it from your food. Yeah. I also saw, um, I believe this was a TikTok and it was a woman who coincidentally was also in Italy and she was going over the ingredients on items that you find in the United States versus items that you find in Italy, her Mm -hmm. experience. And um, Fanta was the example that she used. And if you look on the ingredient list in Fanta in the United States, it's like glucose, whatever, red, orange dye, whatever, roast, close, cellulose sugars that they're putting in it right whatever (laughs) all of the things right it's like and carbonated water (laughs) Uh, last ingredient and um she pulls one off the shelf and she looks at it and it's like carbonated water cane sugar orange juice shut the fuck up now anybody who has any experience with adhd also knows that um Food dye is a problem. Why do we have food dye in everything? Why, Why do we do have we so have... many people that are ADHD? Hmm, weird correlation. Strange, right? So strange. And they all want to be on medication so oh. that the pharmaceutical... Big Wait. Fa- oh, boy. I'm, I'm starting to see a pattern here. Right. Okay. So I feel like while this diet culture is so perpetuated... And I know it's worldwide. I know it's not just in the United States. I can just feel it here because I am here. Yeah. I feel like all the cards are stacked against us as parents specifically. I'm an adult. I can choose for myself. Mm -hmm. I can make these decisions for myself. You can grow your own fucking broccoli in your backyard if you want to. I sure can. But it's inescapable with our children. And the food is setting them up to fail. And... Even if we are to say that all bodies, um, all healthy bodies look different. I believe that with my heart and soul. But I also cannot um, ignore the fact that there is an obesity problem in the United States amongst our children. And that 100% has to do with marketing and where they put all of those yummy, sugary, fake foods. It has to do with our diet culture. It has to do with the food that they're feeding our children in schools. I mean, this is a soapbox that I could go on forever about. I know. And it's not even our children only. It is adults. I mean, I have actual physical friends. I know that's hard to believe that I have those actual friends. Physical ones. Physical ones. They're not a fragment of my imagination. That it is hard for them to break the habits of eating fast food Mm -hmm. constantly. Mm -hmm. I also have friends on the other side of the spectrum where the all they want to do is CrossFit, you know, like fucking CrossFit everything. I know a guy that recently posted a video about how um, that's not a workout. That was like his thing. He's He is a trainer and he his whole thing was that's not a workout. So if somebody comes to you and they're like, you know what? I didn't do my weight training today, but I went on a walk and he was like, that's not a workout. And I'm right. like, 
yes, the fuck it is. Yes, the fuck it is a workout. You went on a walk, good for you. Get it. Do it. 20-minute walk, whatever. That is healthy. Good for you. You do not need to lift weights 30 minutes, five days a week. If a walk does it for you, that is healthy. Why are we telling people that they need to lift weights constantly to be healthy? That doesn't make sense to me. It doesn't make sense. And it also, I feel like just as humans, like our brains are so weird. They're so wired to try and like identify differences and patterns and try to uh, find similarities within things. And so I think that sometimes it's hard for us too to acknowledge that like, different things do it for different people if it's being in a gym that does it for you I'm happy for you that you found it if it's going for a nature walk or being at home on a a stationary bike whatever it is that does it for you the question or the the motivation behind it is what are what's your reason Mm -hmm. you know what I mean is is health your reason is it healthy because you feel good when you're done doing it? Or is it healthy because you look better when you're done doing it? Or somebody told you that this is going to make you look better whenever you're done doing it. I know what I love to do for exercise. I know what makes me feel good. What is it for you? What makes you feel good when you're exercising? Not exercising. <laughs> Ask, ask anybody who knows me. I don't like to exercise. When we were children, dad would make us hike. What would I do? Help me. Help me. Help me. me. I don't want to walk. Please don't make me move my body. I don't want to exercise. Yeah. Um, I don't want to sweat. I don't want to breathe heavy. I don't want to do that stuff. It feels uncomfortable to me. (laughs) I hate running. Same. With a passion like a dark fiery passion if I could bottle the passion of how much I hate running I could like overtake the world (laughs) that's how much I hate running yeah I'm with you on that my husband and my friend love running it gets them off they feel good it gives them energy it's so different for everybody now my husband can run a marathon I run a quarter of a mile and I want to stab him in his throat. I run from the car to the house when it's raining. And that is all. <laughs> that's the only acceptable that time is to all. run. And since I've shaved my head, not even then. Because <laughs> <laughs> I just don't care. <laughs> I hate it so much. But if you put my husband and I on a hike together, I will outwalk him every single time. Right. It's just a different form of exercise that I am good at, that he is good at, but just not as good as me. (laughs) But the running, I can't do it. I can't. And it just goes to show that like our bodies are built different ways. His body is built for that like high intensity. He loves that burn or that like. I mean, the man hates his knees. Fuck knees. Who needs needs them? Knees. Um, but yeah, we're all built so differently of the things that make us tick. I feel like personally, I'm like, if I had a spirit animal, it would be like a sloth or a koala. That's mine. I'm yeah, I like want to be slow. I could do like yoga, but I don't want to do the yoga that like hurts. I want to do like the yoga that feels good. Yep. Those are the things that I'm into. But I also do love to be out in nature. I love to go for walks. Um, but these are things that feel really good to me. I also... I'm going to say that I am 
strangely strong for my size. And so doing things that require me to move heavy things, also I really enjoy. Freaking nature. (laughs) I know. And I am the exact opposite. I am weak as fuck. Like my daughter told me the other day, like, make a muscle. And I was like, I'm embarrassed. You're eight and I am embarrassed to make a muscle in front of you. Don't look. Yeah. She wanted to like squeeze my arm. Mm-hmm. Um, she was unimpressed yeah, well, with my muscle. You know, it's okay. I don't do anything that will build the muscle because I just have no desire. Yeah. I do um, – I do s- – remember there being a time um this was before Dave and I started a family and we would wake up in the mornings and we were doing like um CrossFit-esque kind of gym it wasn't like the super like intense stuff but it was a lot of weight training Mm -hmm. and I will say I felt like a badass whenever Uh. I was weight training I loved lifting weights and I did feel really good and those endorphins were going and my mental health felt good um, and I felt really strong and I would say that that was probably the one time in my life where I really felt like um, it was a healthy relationship with working out I wasn't doing it because I wanted to reach any kind of goal I was doing it because I really felt confident when I was doing it I felt strong when I was doing it and like I felt stable. So when you were doing these workouts, were you like in your garage or were you in a gym? We were in a gym. I feel so uncomfortable being next to other people whenever I'm working out. Mm -hmm. Now, kind of similar to what you were saying, whenever I was doing – okay, everybody, are you ready? Hold your laughter. When I was doing Zumba. Because <laughs> really, I'm a 90-year-old lady trapped in a then 35-year-old body. <laughs> I was fucking killing it, bro. <laughs> I was so good at Zumba. I liked it. I felt good. Dance is like something that I love to do. I didn't hate working out whenever I was going to dance. Mm-hmm. Even though it was like... You know, with 80-year-olds doing, like, air aerobics, like, swinging our hips around. But I enjoyed it, and it worked for me. Now, there are other things that I have gone to that I was, like, I had to force myself to go into. Like, yoga, not my jam. I used to try to get you to do yoga with me all the time. You hated it. Hated it. (laughs) Yeah. I'm like, fuck, I got to try and balance on one foot in front of these fucks. Like, it's embarrassing. <laughs> it just was, which, I mean, was really embarrassing because I used to be a cheerleader. I used to have to balance on a foot. <laughs> and then I got older and I was like, this just is not for me anymore. Mm, yeah. I feel like yoga was definitely always my jam. It's just kind of one of those things that fit well for me. Yeah. Um, And I've noticed that, like, in my lifetime, too, I've kind of, like, gone to it, come away from it, gone to it, come away from Mm -hmm. it. But I do always kind of make my way back to it. It seems to be like a good, again, like you have to find what works for you whenever you're looking to get rid of that extra energy or find a way to um, find health in moving your body. I always thought that I was a person that couldn't do the gym. Like don't like the gym, don't like being around all those people. It's pretty embarrassing. 
really hate it whenever the trainers come over to you and I'm like trying to work out on one of the machines and they want to tell me the right way to do it. And I'm mm-hmm. like, this feels right to me, okay? <laughs> <You're> like, <laughs> this is the easiest way. It doesn't hurt my body. I know you want me to do it the way that hurts, but I don't want to. <laughs> but whenever it comes to um, like there's, you know, Zumba on Netflix or whatever. It's not the same. No. I cannot shake my ass by my damn self in my bedroom. I am unmotivated to do that. So going to the gym in that instance where I had a class that I was like, all right, I'm going to get it. Sure, I hated going to it, but once I was there, loved it. Super fun. Um, I have not done that in a while. I feel like I need to get back into it. What's the why? Why have I not done it in a What's while? What's the why do you need to get back into it? Oh, okay. That's a great question. Um, Ooh. So, digging in. Oh, fuck. We're on batting. This is, she's on batting right now. Oh, my God. Folks, it hurts. if you just watch in this Ooh, moment, this is, so- this is what's happening. She's got to break it down. She's got to figure it out. It, I mean... Whenever, because somebody called me Kirby. Oh, <laughs> yeah, that's where we started, right? Yeah. Let's bring it back around to that, because that—that's that, what it is. Yeah, yeah. Because I was called Curvy, and now I'm like on this fucking spiral of what can I do so that somebody doesn't look at me and call me fucking Curvy. Oh, that Are, hurts. So, how do you feel in your skin today? Before the Curvy comment, let's go there. Before okay. the Curvy comment. How were you feeling? Because you and I had a conversation and the conversation was like, you know what? I'm done monitoring all of these things. I'm not playing into that. Like, I feel good in my body. Like, do you feel like that was authentic? That was very authentic. I felt like I was healthy most of the time. I ate, you know, fish and vegetables and all of like the healthy Mediterranean diet kind of style um, not intentionally. It was just kind of what I liked to eat. And I went on my walks, which I always thought was really good. And so I you were eating food that made you feel good. You were doing activities that made you feel good. Yes. And, and you felt good about yourself. I felt good. I felt like I was maintaining um, a version of myself that was sustainable mm-hmm. because I know that it's very easy for me to go one way or the other. It's either balls to the wall or balls to the fucking Baskin Robbins container, you know, <laughs> like it's one way or the other. Um, and so, no, I felt like I was in a really good place health wise where during the week I ate, you know, a pretty good diet. And then on the weekends I would indulge with my husband and have fun. And that felt good to me. And then I got the curvy comment and now I'm I'm kind of like, Man, I need to unbad this because it 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 affected me. So I think the curvy comment definitely was like, you know, like the scab being picked open. Um, and then I also wonder, like, as we kind of dig into this topic and I really try to like look inward and understand for myself, like how much even of this like limiting ourselves of like doing this during the week and doing that on the weekends, like how much of that is also a part of this conditioning and a part of this diet culture that we have? I think it 100% is. 
I'd really, uh, I'd really like to have like some sort of expert like come and explain stuff to us because whenever I can't figure it out on my own, I'm like, somebody tell me. <laughs> yeah, yeah. It's always nice to have somebody else weigh in um, because you know we don't know what we don't know, and even coming. Um, here and talking about these like super personal things and experiences that we have like disclaimer I reserve the right to change my mind absolutely I only know what I know and I, and this process of unbatting is um, me unlearning some things and relearning some things yeah. so I could look back on this three years from now and be like you what are you talking about right but I only know what I know right now and right now I know that um, we we're sick around this topic. 100%. We all are. Yeah. We're all sick around this topic. Um, and I'm not really sure how to um, create an environment for the next generation um, to not be sick around this. I feel like my goal would not be to totally eradicate it, but to like diminish it a little or give them yeah. a wider lens than I had growing up on body type, body culture, what we're striving to be. Mm -hmm. I look back in the 90s and 2000s and everything that I thought that I knew and then you get older and you realize like, oh no, you only did the best you could with what you had at that time. And so I'm not naive to that anymore. I feel like, okay, today we're doing the best we can with what we have and when we learn more, we'll do better. Right. Right. When we learn more, we do better. No better, do better, right? Yes. Yeah. But I mean, guys, let us know what you think when it comes to diet culture, to um, learning and unlearning behaviors. If you're from another country, I would really love to know what it is that goes on in your country, what your kind of perspective on all of that is. There are people, like even my friends that I have in England we're like, Dana, can you send us? They wanted to like do like an American food try thing, oh, yeah. like a video, like trying American food. And I looked it up and there were so many things that they cannot get in England. Do you have an example that you can think of? Um, oh, shit. Not off the top of my head. I can't remember right away. But there was like a list of things that they just weren't even. Oh, you know what? Chocolate. The way that chocolate is made here in the United States is different. The way that – Like Hershey's? Yes. Mm. The way that um, my friend described it was he said, I tried American chocolate and it's almost like it's like spoiled. Like it's a little sick. He can taste like like a little throw up almost in it because oh, it's weird. kind of – it's not like their chocolate. And I looked it up because I was like, oh, that's strange. And it's a thing. People taste American chocolate and they say it tastes like sick. Interesting. Yeah. I'm going to have to pay attention to that the next time I travel and see, like, what is the difference in the chocolate, really? And we are so used to it. I'm like, mm, M&M's. <laughs> These are delicious. And they're like M&M's that taste like somebody threw up in a bowl of chocolate. <laughs> oh, right. Oh, that's so gross. Yeah. Yeah. No, thank you. Um, so we've got to unbat our taste buds as well. Apparently. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. We're, we're not doing great here in the United States whenever it comes to all Dude. of this stuff. And we have 
a long way to go and a lot to learn. And I'm sure that it'll be a topic that we revisit a hundred times in the future because this is an ongoing thing for us. Yeah. I mean, we can't go a day without food, right? I mean, we can, but we don't unless it's uh, um, not by choice, (laughs) right? (laughs) Not by choice. Um, And, you know, this is a, I know we're wrapping up, but this is also like a part of the topic that we haven't touched base on too, is just um, how your how classism plays oh. a role in the food that we eat too. And I feel like that's a topic that like shouldn't be overlooked. That's like a major role in um, the health of our nation's people yeah. in all classes, um, the people below the poverty line versus the people above the poverty line and how these foods are marketed to keep um, people that are below the poverty line sicker and sicker and sicker. Yeah. And I mean, there are other countries where you grow your own food and you do your own thing. And we just don't have that here. It's not available for people here to do things like that. We have everybody crammed into cities and fucking like it's it's just not something that is even comprehensible. Well, I will say that there is hope for the future. I am a big fan of garden talk. And so I see so many people doing their little urban gardens. And I'm like, yes, grow your own food. You know, Um, we do our best to try and um, get a little fruit out of our backyard or what little pieces that we can, whether it be an herb or whatever. And I do think that like the more that we learn about it and teach our kids about it, that there really is hope to be able to uh, make a shift. Um, I have so much hope of these younger people that are coming up behind us. Mm. Yay, you guys. I love you. You're giving me so much hope. I'm so proud of all these like little activists that are just like, this is bullshit. We're not doing this anymore. There are um, some badasses. Total badasses. I think we should talk us. about them. That yeah. should be that would be a good topic for us in the future. But I think that um I think there'll be a shift. I have hope in that. I really, really hope that there are because I think and we've said it before on the show that there are a lot of people that are opening their eyes to a lot of what is going on and there is a shift going on mm-hmm. and you can tell that there's a shift because there's some big people that are pissed about it. Mm-hmm. So uh, if you are listening and you want to leave us a comment, go to Instagram. You can find us at Unbatting. Um, rate and review on Apple. And if you are on YouTube, also like and comment all of the calls to action at this moment in time. And uh, anything else? That's all we got for today. All right. We'll see you next time. On batting. On batting. We're on batting, baby. We're on a journey, baby. We're on batting, baby. Batting. We're on batting.